0: welcome back to another episode of believe in the press row you got Jonah siegel in a very rainy winter blood day in seattle and joining us from edmonton i believe today uh, always on another another road warrior is is jamie mcclennan jamie how are you not too bad how are you doing today excellent happy uh, happy healthy to you and yours yes
1: you as well that's uh can't believe it's 2020, but, uh, it goes quick. I, uh, I can re- I can remember actually the uh, the turn of the center or the turn where it's 2000 and everyone was worried about planes falling out of the sky. And all of a sudden you blink is 20 years later. So I, I feel old, but it's been good.
0: Well, you and you and I were talking briefly, uh, off the air, as they say, yeah. uh, when, when we turned to the 20, I was in law school down in Miami actually. And, uh, remember kind of having dinner at a spot waiting for the world to end as every computer shut down, but that never happened. So uh, yeah, here we are 20 (laughs) years later, hard to believe. Um, Did you, uh, were you able to spend some family time this, this holiday season at all? Did they let you off or were you just, just slaving away at at TSN?
1: No, a little bit. You know, I, uh, we had abbreviated show on the 24th, got the 25th off and the 26th, I was able to, uh, sneak away a couple of days down to Florida, the Fort Lauderdale area um, with my family before I came back to call some games and do some shows. Like, unfortunately, as you know, uh, with the, you know, with TSN kind of leading the charge with the world juniors, it's all hands on deck at Christmas. And, you know, with Ray and Gord and Craig Button and everyone over there, you know, we kind of short on analysts back here. So it's, uh I do my regular duties, and then I get uh lateraled a couple of rays um you know some leaf games, so which is good I mean the Leafs are a good team right now and fun to watch but uh so it's uh, a little added more responsibility but uh usually I know it in my schedule that uh you know the Christmas time or the holiday time is is a busy time for for all of us at t s n so uh uh there's no uh you get a chance for a day or two to sneak away. You take it, but you pretty much know you're going to be right back to work.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Well, we here at uh, I believe believe in sleep, Jamie, and sleep, <laughs> as, as you can attest, is important. So uh, let's make 2000. This says 2019. Let's make 2020. Oh, make story. We'll start again. Let's make 2019 the last year you suffered through bad sleep. There are studies from both Harvard and John Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease, all things that we should avoid. Apparently we only need eight hours of sleep. I don't, cannot tell you the last time I got eight hours of sleep. I don't know about you, Uh, but one of the, one of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. Tough to get good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. I agree. Uh, it is now 2020, as you said, Jamie, and you now have the pod by eight sleep. The pod is a high tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. Didn't know you had such a thing as sleep fitness, but there you go. It was developed (laughs) by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time. It's a crazy comfortable bed. And for the next week, we'll give you $200 off your pod and a fresh gravity, a free, not fresh, a free gravity blanket for a total value of $500. You can get that at 8sleep.com slash pro. That's dot pcom slash pro eightsleep.com slash pro. Jamie, did you get that? Or should I read a little slower?
1: I uh, listen. I love it. I'm just learning something. You know, I do. I, I, I agree to, I think you need sleep. I will, <laughs> uh, believe me, I would love it, but I have two young kids, so it's never going to happen for me and I travel so much. And, but, uh, I do, I feel like I'm, I've been making notes
0: as you've been talking because I feel like I need some of these products in my life. So you're <laughs> good. Wait <laughs> wait to hear wait to hear the next two, especially the last one so it's funny that you talk about your two young kids. How old are your kids? uh my daughter's seven, just turned seven, and
1: my little man is two we'll say two and a half, but he's a, he's in the terrible twos and uh we are uh we are wringing the effects of it he's uh he's a very active man, so it's uh there's from the minute he wakes up till when he goes down, it is uh, a constant battle chasing him around. But it's good. It's really good. I would never trade it in for anything. And being a, a bit of an older father now, I'm, I'm 48 years old, so I start a little bit later. Um, you know, I'm really appreciating it. I, I, I often think and I talk to my teammates uh, and former teammates uh, of how they could have done it while they were playing. Um, you know, I think a lot of them talk how he was in a really good escape. But a good reset for them to come home from the rink and just have a family and uh, you know have kind of some normalcy in their life and uh, you know for me i was you know mostly single throughout my my career so it was uh um a lot different transition now that's into the, the full house and very noisy and all of that fun stuff
0: so it's funny uh you've taken that to two places but the reason i break, i'm happy you brought up your kids you um you and my son, actually, who's 17 uh, now, have something in common. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, you both almost succumbed to the flu. And I did not know that till I did some reading on you. Um, my son woke up uh, a year ago, April, uh, with what looked like the flu. And about six, yeah. seven hours later, he was unconscious in the ICU here in Seattle. Um, oh. So it is, a, it is a, a condition, if you will, that is near and dear to our hearts. He actually has a GoFundMe going on right now to try and make sure that nobody else goes through the week, his week of, of the ICU. What happened to you? And tell us a little bit about that story.
1: Well, you know, you, you just mentioned like um, flu-like symptoms. Now, for me, it was such a weird time because I was 25 years old. Uh, it was the end of the season, so you're run down. Um, that season I bounced around a little bit so I played in Salt Lake City and I played in Worcester and I played in New York for the Islanders so at the end of the season I kind of had to go to those cities to um, collect my stuff if I had apartments and stuff like that so in about a week I had traveled to all these different states and obviously catching up with teammates who you're Having a few too many drinks and late nights and running yourself a little bit ragged as you do at the end of the season, uh, guys like to let loose a little bit before they try and reset. And I had flown from, you know, Worcester. Not even flown from Worcester. I went to Worcester to New York, so I went from Worcester to New York to Salt Lake City, uh, and and then from Salt Lake City drove up to Lethbridge, Alberta, um, in in a very short amount of time and no sleep and then you know some drinks and all that and when i got to lethbridge my former billets house who were still two of my best friends um you know we went out for a beer and just kind of was hanging out and i got really tired like i just I, I, I felt like i'd hit a wall and i said you know what i i let let's head back home um and then when i got to the house it, you know i started vomiting and I, I i thought it was i'd had a bad piece of chicken my buddy had cooked dinner that night and you know, I just, it was flu-like symptoms, vomiting and, and not feeling well. So I jumped into bed and, um, you know, it just, it wasn't, nothing was staying down. So we went to the hospital because it just, like muscles were so sore and, and spasming. My arms were spasming and I thought this is something different. So went to the hospital, the doctor said it was a flu, sent me home all night. I threw up every 30 minutes. Uh, to the point i just had no energy the next morning and i knew something was wrong so we went back to the hospital and that's when the the doctor you know we got to see him and he said you know uh where did you get these spots and i had no idea the spots were forming right in front of our eyes and uh that's when you know everyone got pretty scared and he said uh you know you should call your parents your heart could stop in the next hour and you know i um I had a condition of meningococcal septicemia.
0: So, you know, Easy for a, you to say.
1: yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, a form of meningitis. So it was uh, um, very scary. I don't remember like the next week, you know, like when I was in the ICU, they pumped me full of fluids, but the you know, the weirdest part is I was in the hospital when the worst of it happened. So instead of airlifting me from bridge to, to Calgary, apparently in Calgary there was a, a case that was exactly the same as mine and they they just kept me in Lethbridge and and went through the same protocol that they were dealing with the other patient so it was um, you know a scary time for our family I'm 25 years old pro athlete think that you know something like that can't take you down and all of a sudden I'm I'm pretty lucky so you know attack my extremities like i You know, muscle spasms, most pain I've ever felt, uh, you know, for hours at at a time. So you're just um, down for the count. And, uh, you know, I spent a a month in the hospital and had to reteach myself to walk, even though I knew how to walk. I just, my muscles were so depleted and lost about 30 pounds. And um, unfortunately, I was going to be an unrestricted free agent. So they, you know, I wasn't with the Islanders anymore. But uh, it was so it was a little bit of a term, turmoil situation in my life, but I was able to sign with St. Louis a two way that summer and, and kind of get back on my feet and uh, literally and uh, uh, played the minors that year for Worcester and and then worked my way back to the NHL and, and won the Masterton so I, that kind of put a a bow on everything for me personally um, you know, for the, for the sickness, but I cringe. I gotta be honest. I, I cringe when I hear other people have had to go through that because I, I there you know, I, when I think of it, I never forget the pain and you know, the, how scared I was and how scared my family was. So I, I consider myself very, very lucky.
0: Yeah. We, uh, like I said, my son woke up, he was, um, 16 at the time he woke up and uh, said that he wasn't feeling well. I thought he was dogging the fact that he has a job here in Seattle. I thought he didn't want to go to work or the dentist. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he got sick. So I said, okay, you can stay home. And then he came upstairs a couple hours later and he was just rocking. He just couldn't get comfortable. His back was killing. him. Yeah. Thankfully we decided to go get him tested. So we took him to a walk-in clinic and they said, well, he's got the flu, but you got to go get his, uh, his lungs tested. We think he may have pneumonia. And we took him yeah. to the clinic to get x-ray. And while he was there, he puked up blood. And the next thing Ooh. I knew I the ambulance. And I thought everything was fine. Like we got to the to the, the uh, Seattle's Children's Hospital, which is equivalent to sick kids in Toronto. And yeah. um, they basically told us, he's got the flu, but we're just going to keep him overnight for observation. And then literally an hour later, he went into septic shock and literally oh. was unconscious for the better part of a week until he he pulled himself out of it. And, uh, wow. I'm trying to say this all the time. Uh, definitely get the flu shot. The flu is a bad thing. Uh, it kills lots of people every year. The flu shot is no guarantee, but it's certainly, uh, anything you can do to reduce the risk. We here certainly feel that people shouldn't. Uh, I was shocked. I had no idea when I read that online, doing some research on you for this podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's, it's it. it's, it feels like a lifetime ago because it's now, you know, it's 23 years later, but you know, looking back on it, you're right. Like anything I could do to try and prevent it, obviously taking better care of yourself. But I remember asking the doctor and he said, no, no, there's, there's like some crazy stat. It's like one in 300,000 people or something. um, Get it. And the, You know, your body has the natural antibodies to kill it. He goes, but yours didn't. And the crazy thing about, you know, my story even a little bit more was the fact that I crossed the border. And I was in three or four different states. Um, Infectious disease had to track down everyone I had been in contact with. So I had been with the team in Worcester um massachusetts so they had to track down all of my teammates and everyone's gone for summer they i was uh had been in new york with my ex-girlfriend and her family and 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 my buddy jason strudwick and jason widmer two guys that i played with we had gone for dinners and stuff so they had to be tracked down then i flew to salt lake city and um saw the guys for the salt lake golden eagles went for drinks with them so the teams that I was in contact there, because I saw guys from other teams there, they had to be all contacted. I was on a plane; everyone on that plane had to to take these pills or whatever. Um, so infectious disease tracked everyone down on that manifest. Then I crossed the border into Lethbridge, <laughs> so it was, you know, Lethbridge had to let anybody know there. So it was it was cra- like it it was, it was crazy. And this isn't the time of, you know, the internet and texting and stuff. This is legitimately pay phones and phones that are attached to the wall with long, you know, windy cords. So, um, they did a really good job. I remember my buddies telling me like, yeah, I got the phone call and it was serious. And yeah, I had to go to, you know, go to the hospital and take these pills for three days that turned my urine orange. <laughs> and, you know, but it basically was, uh, um, you know, some form of, of pill to, to help combat it. So, um, it was kind of a, not only scary for me, for me, but people that I'd been in contact with too.
0: Awesome. Well, we're all, uh, we're all happy that you're better. And, um, hopefully you get yeah. a shot every year to make sure that you don't get something. Exactly. No, I am for sure. So you, um, had quite a, like a really fascinating career between multiple leagues that um, yeah, that finished over in Japan, I believe. Um, yeah, and then so so you you finished playing in two thousand seven two thousand eight, and then you became a coach for the a coach slash scout for the Calgary Flames. How'd that happen?
1: Well, I had you know I I finished with the Flames, and you know Daryl Sutter is a very close you know friend of mine, and he had said, the minute that you, you know, he basically told me, we're not going to sign you, um, but if you want to join the organization, you have a job the second that you're you're done, and I was contemplating retiring. I had a few offers. Uh, there were some teams, some NHL teams that were, I had an NHL. Now, unfortunately, I had a suspension to deal with. Uh, my career ended on a so suspension and unfortunate incident in Detroit which not the proudest thing but it was it looked worse than it was but it was a stupid play by me and
0: that's not what so the other I, guy said
1: yeah <laughs> well uh, but anyways you know I just uh, uh, I owed the the league four games and so if I was going to sign with an NHL team I was going to start the season with a, with a four game suspension and there was a couple teams that were looking to sign me to you know a two-way contract and And kind of be a third goaltender, and my agent called me in July, early July, and said, "I've got an offer for you in Russia, in Magnitogorsk." And I googled it right away and saw that that time it was like, like fifth most polluted city on the planet, and it was pretty gritty. It, it was um, a steel steel mill, or a steel city kind of emulated after Pittsburgh and. so, you know, the money was good and it seemed like it was all right. So I called Daryl Sutter and said, I'm going to take this deal. And, and, you know, I'll, we'll revisit it in a year. So went to Magnitogorsk Gorse for just under two months. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was a great experience. It was good to go, but it was good to come home and I didn't love it. They didn't love me. So it was kind of uh when things didn't work out, I uh, I was happy to get on the plane and come home. And that's when I thought I was going to retire. And then the the family I was telling you about, where um, I got meningitis at their house. Their last name is Dick D Y C K, but they have uh, Japanese in their descent. And my buddy Joel was had been over in Japan for 16 years, and and he got his Japanese citizenship. So he called me when I came home from Russia and said, "Why don't you come to Japan and we'll retire together?" And I thought about it and I you know had not much going on so I uh I went to Japan and it was awesome and I brought my buddy Tyson Nash who I played in St. Louis with and uh, the two of us it was like a paid vacation we went and played hockey and the level was about east coast League level so it was really still good and and competitive but you know, where in your life, uh, a guy from St. Albert, Alberta is going to get an opportunity to live in Japan and travel to Korea and to, to China to play pro hockey. And it's kind of like a paid vacation. It was great. So, um, you know, I knew when, when that season was done, I was ready to pack it in. And uh, the minute that I flew back, I called Daryl and I started with the Flames the next day and did some player development and kind of answered to him and And that first year I kind of was like the jack of all trades. Like, you know, I basically answered to Daryl and Dwayne Sutter and did scouting and, and would fly to the minors to work with players and uh, was involved in all different facets. Like Daryl was really good to me, just kind of letting me see what the organization was all about and kind of what, where I was going to fall. And by the end of that season, Mike Keenan had added me to his coaching staff. So um, that was kind of that natural progression. And then the next two years they had me as the goalie coach slash assistant coach. And then, uh, when I was let go or they didn't renew my contract as a coach, they offered me player development. That's when TSN called. And, uh, uh, that same day that it was released that I, I didn't, uh, um, get renewed as the assistant coach. Um, the quizmaster called me from TSN and said, would you like to try TV? And that was about nine years ago. And, and then the rest is, uh, I guess, history. Now I've been with TSN for, this is my ninth year.
0: And how many years have you done radio? Well, I think
1: I want to say this is right. Like the ninth year too, like it, it TSN 1050 was just beginning when I, I joined the panel in the playoffs the one year and then that summer tsn 1050 i think was starting or it was kind of just up and running and i remember talking to them and saying well if you want me to to do this i need to get better at it and i need reps so i said uh, uh i'm single at the time i'm i'm willing to move to toronto if you can get me those reps so they say okay we're going to get you on radio we're going to get you on tv you know, that hockey, Gino show, and that Hockey Tonight. Um, but I think, I want to say that first year, maybe, I can't remember when we lost the, the rights. It was a couple years in, but, uh, um, you know, there was, you know, some uncertainty because I wasn't sure where I was going to fit. But it was, I wasn't a day one at TSN 1050, but I was close because I started with Hayes on a show called Blue Lunch. 'Cause I don't think we had the rights. Right, so right. we couldn't say we couldn't say leaps So it was me and Hayes in a studio downtown Toronto. In the old Chem FM. Yeah. Do we have the it chum, is. yeah. And yeah, and, and actually we uh Steph and I had just started dating and we lived not that far from it. So it was a walk for me. I'd walk up do radio and then i would drive up to the studios in scarborough later that day to do tv so it was kind of it was a good mix but um you know i like anything when you're raw like i was starting over you know i knew i could talk obviously as you can tell i'm rambling away here for 20 <laughs> minutes but but it was you know like anything like you need reps you need to to figure out and you know i remember sitting down with them and saying like you know if you want me to get better at this like don't be I'm not shy to be coached like I as a player you know we're a former player you're you're used to having some constructive criticism and coaching and stuff so I said like I'm not you know don't be shy to, to point out what I can be better at and and so we did some video sessions and some on-air stuff some air checks and stuff and it you know and, and I, I still believe like it's a work in progress. Like you get better and better or more comfortable or at least and in, in try and get your point across. So, um, you know, you never stop learning, put it that way. And I, I really enjoy it. I, I have a lot of fun with it and I'm lucky now that the show has kind of, um, progressed and we went from, you know, blue lunch to lease lunch to, to overdrive now, but it's, uh, um, I never stopped learning, but it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. And then doing color too, having that in. And so it's been, uh, got a lot of responsibility now, but I welcomed it.
0: Well, uh, one of the things that you guys do a lot of is talking about the betting world the sports betting world. So Jamie, let's talk about yeah. one of the more popular websites out there now called my bookie, you heard of my bookie Christmas has coming on, but the super bowl is quickly approaching. The playoffs are on in the back here right now. Buffalo is killing Texas. Uh, we've, just, yes. <laughs> we've just seen what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the ball. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I bet you have a feeling. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for the bowl games, MyBookie is where you want to go. Football not your thing? No worries. My Bookie's got it all from the NBA to the Premier League, and yes, the NHL. They've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24 hour, seven day a week customer service team. You can even pool your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you got a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay Wagers lets you bet multiple games together. If they all come through, you win big. My Bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks. That means if you put $2,000 in, you get an extra thousand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's Bob Larry Victor, to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. Only it was that easy, right? (laughs) <laughs> I agree. I am uh, I wrote the promo code
1: down because I'm I'm not a big gambler, but I'm thinking about it. A thousand it bucks too. is
0: a thousand bucks. Right? I'll,
1: exactly. I'll take it, but I need to find a pure thing as far as what I'm going to bet on.
0: <laughs> so uh, have you ever heard of a website called The Sportster? No. So you are featured in The Sportster and you've made one of their lists. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. You are... There as, and it's not that old, 2017, 15 retired NHL stars that have smoking hot wives. How do you like that? No. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, you know what? I did hear this.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. I, you know what? I have. So, yeah, that, I've heard of that website because somebody
0: had told me that. So, uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen that. Um, well, but well, uh, fellow, fellow goalie, Curtis Joseph is number one on the list. Um, really? Yeah, he, she, his wife is number one. Now, here's what it says about you. It's actually very funny. An obscu- Ready for this? Now, I'm reading, so don't shoot the messenger. An obscure yeah. backup goaltender for much of his career, Jamie McLennan played 254 games between the Calgary Flames, Florida Panthers, Minnesota Wilds, St. Louis Blues, New York Rangers, New York Islanders. Upon yeah. retiring, he served as an assistant coach with the Flames, but later transitioned to TV, serving as an analyst with TSN in Canada. In addition to his role as color commentary for TSN Broadcast, he's one of three voices on the daily radio show Overdrive, which just happens to be produced by his wife, Stephanie. The couple married in 2013, and according to their destination wedding website, they met first on set of Off the Record, where she worked as a producer and McLennan was a frequent guest. Here's the best part. He was 45 minutes late for his appearance and hungover when they first met. <laughs>
1: sounds about right i actually <laughs> like it was a crazy story And it wasn't like uh it's not as bad as it sounds but i felt like i got drugged the night before or something i just drank too much with the owner of a, a bar on college i had flown in <laughs> to do off the record and yeah Steph i think was an intern or something like that and and uh michael uh, landsberg a lot of times he would, you know, take the guests out to the keg and, you know, he doesn't drink or whatever, but he's, he's a great storyteller and we had a lot of fun. But I had some friends in Toronto, so I ended up going with them and then uh, Steph and her friends, uh, we, we kind of met up for a drink, but then I disappeared on everyone and I can't remember how it worked, but I just felt like I drank too much with the owner of one bar and I woke up like I missed everything morning skate. I was thinking I was coaching and I I missed morning skate and everything. And I had like 30 missed calls on my phone and it was like, Steph and them trying to get me into studio. And I was like a mess and I went and did off director, and then I had to go right to the coach's room. So it was, uh, it's probably not the, the greatest, uh, for my reputation as far as, uh, you know, that's a little bit irresponsible, but, um, it was it was kind of a funny story, but uh, she tells it, and uh, you know we we stayed in touch. We stayed in touch, uh, and then when I rejoined TSN many years later, her and I reconnected, and uh, you know and we say the rest is history. You know, a couple
0: of kids yada, later, yada yada yada. You have two little kids,
1: exactly, exactly, exactly. So well, then
0: let's let's make this transition, then, shall we? Um, and I'm sure you've got some great stories, but it's 2020, as we've talked about. Yeah. You know what that means. New year, new me, new balls. Men, listen up. Harry Bushes are so 2019. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. And Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. I am pretty sure you have some great locker room stories about guys doing stupid things with raiders, raiders, with razors down below. Um, I'm sure that's happened. You probably don't want to mention names, but I'm, I'm willing to bet. Uh, that is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Great name here. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology. So the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. This is the copy I'm reading. Not my words. Manscaping <laughs> Accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just dirty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Jamie, do you know that you get 20% off plus free shipping with code BLEAV? That's B like boy, L like Larry, E like Edward, A like Apple, and V like Victor at manscaped.com. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you.
1: <laughs> this I, Another one I've been writing down here. I uh, I, I loved the, the the lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> what a great name, right? <laughs> it's such a great name. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to get into any stories of, of all the, stupid hazing things of 30 and 40 years ago but i would imagine it would to include these types of things now so people hopefully have evolved and they don't do that but uh uh when you as far as hazing that's what i'm talking about but uh um yeah no it's what a great website i'm gonna i'm gonna have to check that one out too
0: so interesting you know you're helping me very much here um one of the things i did want to talk to you about was hazing um oh really yeah i mean we, we live in a, in an ever-changing world where where yeah. that which was acceptable is, is is clearly, certainly it's no longer publicly acceptable. Um, right. You know, I've heard guys like Chris Chelios and, and, and I've heard Ray Ferraro talk about it and I heard Brian Berard talk about it and lots of former athletes talking about what it was like coming up through the ranks. And it seemed to me like for the most part, it really kind of stopped or didn't stop, it transitioned into the team dinner where gobs and gobs of money was being spent by rookies. That seemed to be the modern day, you know, but we're now in this world where that which was not acceptable, which was, I guess, permissible, I don't know what acceptable then clearly isn't now. Um, The latest iteration certainly exploded after Mike Babcock got fired, um, yeah, and the new coach Sheldon Keefe obviously has done extremely well in a in a short amount of time. Um, what do you think about the whole transition away from, as you called it, hazing to where we are today, either mentally and or physically? You know, we've had one coach get get uh, lose his job over kicking somebody, and, and there's been some strangling allegations. the the racial thing we don't have to touch because it goes without saying uh right wrong then it's wrong now but here we are in 2020 and it is a brave new world for coaches and players
1: uh it is but I'm you know I I I don't think it's a bad thing I think I I I try and say this and I, I know people get frustrated when they say you know well don't look at the you know things of the passed with the lens of 20 let's say 2020 now I was, I was talking about more in 2019 you know it's tough to to you know look let's say at, at my parents in in 1980 we had a station wagon yep. uh with wood siding yep. and it had a it had a back seat yep. <laughs> that popped up where the kids could sit right at the back yep. like at the right at the back of the station wagon no seat belts you know, not, know nothing i
0: did it every that, friday from toronto to barry i know exactly okay so what there I'm you go we're roughly the we, we all
1: know this but you know that's what you knew that was with the time so um you know people used to smoke on planes uh, you know education we're, we're now seeing education with concussions we're not there yet but you know you're starting to see um so some evolution and 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 you know some progression in a lot of different areas so Why? Why couldn't that apply to some of the things that may be deemed as the old old guard or unwritten codes and stuff? I still believe in certain unwritten codes, and it's not not ones that are egregious. It's just you know you don't you don't want to see what's behind the curtain because you get disappointed. Well, okay, some things can get left behind the curtain, and I the only thing I would say is like. you know, they say when you're young, like, never meet your idol, you'd be disappointed that they're just a human being. And that's the type of stuff. I don't want to know the worst thing about my idol. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 I still want some, some, a little bit of surprise, but when it comes to real Issues and real, you know, hazing and bullying and 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 some of the things that we've seen that kind of were like you said. Whether I don't know if it was accepted, it just there was things that that you look back
0: and they were regular changes and they happened everywhere,
1: right? And but they didn't change quick enough. They didn't change with the times, and that's you know unfortunate that some stuff has to get brought to light in in such a negative way instead of just a progression where like hold on, we don't do that anymore. You know what I mean, and and I I don't know where it changed for me because you know in junior I didn't we didn't see like crazy hazing we had stupid things um, you know you just talk about the manscaping stuff guys would have their bush shaved you know that type of stuff like but it wasn't you know like egregious but now um, you know now at an NHL level it's more about uh, the rookie dinner and I've even seen an evolution with the rookie dinner because. To be honest, I even even being a part of it, it's quite embarrassing. If somebody gets a hold, like nowadays with social media, you get a hold of a team's bill and they've spent fifty thousand dollars at a dinner. Like that's tough to sell to anybody, um, you know, hardworking people. Like that's a that's a year's salary that these idiots and I include myself in that. Like the word because. You know you go out and you're wasting it on wine and steaks and you know shots and all these things where you're just trying to run a bill up so we've almost and i've seen it i don't know what guys are doing now it's a little bit more private but you know a nice dinner can have a big price tag but guys aren't going overboard and it depends on the amount of rookies that are involved i know i was on a team where i think literally there was one or two rookies so we weren't going to the bill was 20 grand, we weren't going to hang them with it. So you put a cap on it and said, you're going to put in X amount of dollars and the, the, the fine fund or the team fund is going to follow, you know, take care of the rest. To me, it's more about camaraderie. It's not about trying to embarrass somebody. It's not trying to, you know, rinse them. Like we forget, you know, you get a young kid that's coming up and has to pay a massive bill. They don't have the, a lot of the financial means. They're still, saving and and getting checks and stuff so um i think we have seen an evolution but you know not just on the rookie dinner but just the overall education process uh certain things were not there yet but i think we're coming uh as a as a whole and i think uh, people are trying to help out so um you know i'm encouraged by it i get disappointed in some things because i know unfortunately um there may be good people that get hit by friendly fire with some of this stuff but Ultimately, uh, you know, you're you're seeing a, a cleansing of out with the bad and in with the good, and and I I think that's really good for sports, sports in general, not just hockey.
0: So let's talk. Let's go at a level either. Let's go level up. Um, okay. Through through your career, you, you played with some of the best of the best. Um, yeah. Just as I believe their teammates, you know, Grant Fuhr, Ron Heckstall, you, you you mentioned Roberto Luongo. Mika Kiprasov, Um, you mentioned the Sutters. Uh, You mentioned Mike Keenan. Um, You know what Mike Babcock did to Mitch Marner that that mental, write down on a list who you think the least, the least uh, the the players who try the least are putting in the least effort, and then taking that to the players and say, hey, look what the rookie said about you. Um, Yeah you played with some pretty interesting characters and some pretty big names. I mean, Mike did not have the greatest uh, nickname. Um, that is clearly no longer acceptable and, and that has clearly changed and what was permissible then is clearly not being accepted as permissible today. How do you feel about that?
1: Um, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I, I think there's again, a line, um, I try to use the words common sense and, and apply it in every situation. Um, You know, when, when that story came out about Marner and Babcock, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I thought it was a a dumb thing or, uh, you know, I don't, however you want to term it, a stupid thing of what Mike did. If you wanted to get a message across to him, I think you could have still done the same thing, but with a different type of tactic. And what I would mean by that. If you're trying to teach a young player who you may deem that is super talented, but still has to learn how to work. um, You could have taken a, if you wanted to use that type of tactic, you could have just done a different way, a different approach and said, you know, put on a piece of paper, three guys who you think, you know, don't work hard or, or can give a little bit more to the program and three guys that you, um, think that work really hard or in great shape or whatever and then have him do that and then sit down with him and say what list do you want to be on you know where do you want to be here you know you have this talent do you want to be on this side of the list with this type of you know and take that next step like it's the tact that, that bothered me um I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world what I didn't like was just how it became like you know now you embarrass the player." Now you put guys in a really tough spot. Like I didn't like the outcome. I didn't like, you know, that tact. Like you can have motivational tact, and I don't mind that by coaches, but it's the way they do it. Um, I, you, you talk about Keenan. It's always the vehicle, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what, what frustrated me about these, the process, like, you know, Daryl Sutter and 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 Mike Keane and and Al Arbor and Joel Quinville and Jacques Lemaire, I've had some amazing coaches, like really high-end guys. And they all had different tacks and how, how to press a button. But I was fortunate. Now, I'm only speaking for myself because I can't speak for everyone who's had either a positive or a negative interaction with those coaches. Because You know, there are some out there, so I can't. I can't defend that, but never once by those coaches did I ever feel disrespected. And to me, you know, the the Babcock thing had some disrespect to that. And that's where I I think that's where it crossed the line. Um, You know, I've had Mike Keenan challenge me. I've had Daryl Sutter challenge me, but people don't realize like Daryl Sutter was almost like your father. Like he, you know, it wasn't. There's a
0: difference between, you know, the expression challenge can be interpreted different ways you know, right. There's a challenge, which is lighting a fire underneath your butt. And then there's a challenge, yeah, which is making you feel threatened.
1: Right. And that's, you know what, in that sense, our situations, I will, I would never felt threatened by those guys. I was more challenged. And even if, you know, sometimes you hate to hear this, but like the truth hurts sometimes. You know, like, hey, there's a, there's a chance that you're not on my team next week because you're not playing well enough. I've heard that before. And that's,
0: you know, that's, that's a threat. Different. That's different. That's not. Exactly.
1: It's, so... it, but, it, but that's the type of stuff that, you know, I guess that I've, I've seen, heard all of that type of stuff. But, you know, crossing the line, I think the evolution, I think that's gone. But you also have to, you know, grow with the game too. And I think a lot of these coaches have to adapt their style with today's type of athlete as well.
0: Well, the individual on the other team that was involved in your last NHL suspension, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah, called Mike Babcock, quote, the worst person I've ever met. Yeah,
1: that's tough. Well,
0: um, like I, I read that, you know. The things that, that are described by others and by him by Franzen about Babcock are it's, it, you know what? It takes you right back to exactly how you started this, this little segment that we're having. I'm actually nauseous and sick about learning, seeing what's behind the curtain on Mike Babcock. Cause right. here's a guy that was absolutely uh, held up on a pedestal to you, to use Brian Burke's words. When he came to Toronto, the only thing we didn't do is, is give him his name a school after him. Yeah. Now this stuff has come out and it almost feels dirty.
1: Yeah. Well, you're disappointed. You're disappointed because, you know, again, everyone has their own personal story about it. Uh, I don't because I never had Mike, but, you know, to the point of the extreme where, you know, you got the Mike, uh, Mike Commodores, who's a good friend of mine, Um, you know, guys like that who were very vocal the whole time along. And then after when Mike was let go and some of the stories come out, you start, you saw other players share their stories and you start to get disappointed because you're like, okay, like there are tactics again, when I went back to that, you you witnessed or went through and you never felt threatened. You never felt, you know, in a, in a bad spot. But then obviously some of these guys who had gone through it, um, you know, they're sharing their experiences and those aren't, they're not acceptable in today's game. And to me that uh, it is disappointing because if that's what, you know, we're going to remember of Mike Babcock or at least his tenure in, you know, in, in Toronto and seems like in, in Detroit, but there was a su- success there. So maybe things like that were overlooked because, um you know, there was success. I, I don't know. And, That's the challenge. I I thought Paul Maurice had an amazing quote when uh, when all this went down. He's a very articulate, articulate and and thoughtful man. And he he said, you know, um, I've done a lot of soul searching when this stuff was coming out, because he said, to be honest, like, I think he may have used a stat like I've had. 900 players, I thought of that I've had transactions with where I've sent them to the miners or disappointed them or you know that type of stuff. Like not all of those guys are going to love me, but to me again, it comes back and what I was saying earlier, common sense, respect. It sounds like there wasn't you know some respect to being handed out, and it's disappointing to hear you know guys like Franzen and and uh, other guys coming forward with their stories of of what they were going through and. And, you know, the type of duress that they were under, uh, you know, personally, because again, I didn't see it, but I, I, that's, you know, I I wasn't in those situations.
0: Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting time. I want to be mindful of, speaking of time, I want to be mindful of yours. Um I would, what I would like to do is invite you to come back. Cause we didn't get into any of the stuff that I wanted to talk about overdrive. I've got a little bit more time if you oh, want. Okay. You, perfect. Can you, can we, you stretch? Yeah, no, like I, I'm got, good. I want, as I said, I just want to be respectful of your time. You tell me.
1: No, no, I've got, uh, I'm going to watch this leaf game. Cause I'm calling, a uh, uh, calling the um, uh, game on Monday, but I'm, uh, my mom and I are going to go for dinner at some point. So I've got plenty. We, we, I got more time for you. Okay. We're on a
0: roll here. Let's keep it rolling. Okay, good. That sounds like you're having fun. So. Um, I will tell you that uh, I listen to a lot of sports radio, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I read a lot. Uh, the thing about your radio show is it's it appears to be and, and it appears to be genuine. And when people ask me why I think the show works, my answer is always the same that, that it's, it's it's guys with various degrees of experience. S- they're sitting yeah. in a studio, not a bar or a living room, talking about the things that we all like to talk about in the same type of mannerisms that we do. Are you having as much fun doing it, uh, as it's, as it comes across?
1: Yes. Um, you know, I think I've, I've read a couple, you know, of your, your quotes on Twitter and stuff about the show and, and other people's. And I, I don't disagree with them. We are three guys who are friends. Um, you know, put together professionally, obviously, but you know, it doesn't feel like that. It's um we it's funny, like we don't spend a lot of time together outside of the show. We're just so busy. But there's been a couple of social situations where um, you know, we're out for dinner and we're talking, and I, I can't remember one of the wives, I think it was O's wife, was like, guys, the microphone's not on. You don't have to talk like that. And we're like, that's just how we talk. Like, it's, it's legitimately uh, very natural for us. We don't talk a lot before the show. We have a group text that we kind of just kind of stay in touch on and that. But we, we've learned that if, if we got there too early and start talking before the show, and then you've got to relive it again on the show, it's not as natural. So I think that's why Brian, I think Brian Hayes is fantastic and he's so good at driving the bus and, and steering me and O who don't have formal training. Um, you know, he, he puts us in situations to at least we think have success. Um, we're all over the map, obviously, which, you know, I think with the spontaneity of the show is kind of what, like you said, keeps it natural because we don't try and force feed anything. We just, we just talk and it, it ends up, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, your, your ad, the manscaping ad. And all of a sudden then we're heading into hazing and we're heading into like, that's just, that's kind of the natural progression of our show every day. So it's fun. Um, it, some days are tougher as, as I'm sure in any, any line of work where there's, you know, some real topics, those are tougher to talk about because you know, they're, they're heavier. I love talking hockey. I love talking sports. Um, but I think we stick to our strengths. I know, um, I am not as strong when it comes to other sports because I'm not as deep in them as, as the other guys, but I've been working hard to try and catch up, you know, stay up on the Raptors, stay up on baseball and football and stuff. Um, but that's, I I think we all have our roles and we try and just stick to them and not step out of our, out of our comfort zone um and so yeah it's, it's a comfortable show we have a lot of fun and and i hope it goes on for a long time because i i think for the most part we've got a a, a real loyal fan base and i for we for, I, i'm not lying i forget the mics are on sometimes we're just talking and you forget that I, like people are listening like i will be anywhere now and people stop me and be like i love your show i love overdrive you know tell oh i said hi it crazy you know, like, or Hayes. I love Hayes and his hot takes. Like there's, everyone has like a, you know, a certain favorite on the show or a segment that we do or a saying and stuff. So it's a, so far it's been very organic and we've had a ton of fun with it.
0: It comes across that way. Uh, It's an easy lesson. So, so, so riddle me this Batman, how much fun was it given your background and your newish role in the media covering the Raptors in in their championship run
1: it was cool because I was legitimately I'd never been like just a fan like you know if it's hockey even if the Leafs go on a deep run like it's my job to cover them and I don't really have an allegiance to an NHL team well when it was basketball I don't have an allegiance to a basketball team but like this is in my backyard. This is going on. I'm I'm right here. I'm I'm watching this. So I get to talk about it. Um, you know, we have Nick Nurse on the show, and the players are coming. It was amazing, and it was just, you know, I I mean, it may not have come off, but I was kind of being a little bit more of a fan guy and just, you know, watching the games, engaged. Um, you know, the parade, everything about it. Like the city went nuts. It was good for the city. Um, it was good for the country. Like you you. you you know, to be a part of something like that on the, the smallest level. Like, I, you know, I had an opportunity to go to a game and I chose not to because I felt like I would have cheated somebody out of a chair, out of a seat that has been a diehard and somebody who's, you know, maybe a, a media member or somebody who, you know, ha- has lived it every day of their lives. And I all of a sudden get an opportunity because of our platform. Oh, you can go to the game. I chose not to just to watch it at home, just because I didn't want to be disrespectful to that process. But I, you know, I kicked myself. I would have liked to have been at the game, but I, I, didn't want to take a seat away from somebody who maybe was a diehard.
0: So, where were you when Kawhi hit the shot?
1: In my, I was sitting on my couch, and I have like zero reaction. I was sitting there, and Steph, my wife, couldn't sit down. She was like, kind of running around, like standing. And then I'll never forget it because I was sitting, I always had my computer beside me and I'm, you know, I'm sure I had an NHL game up on it, but we had on, we had multiple TVs at the house and on the big screen, we had the Raptors game and we watched it and it's, you know, I think, I don't know how long it took to, to drop. And.
0: About an hour and a half. Was like,
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I was just watching it and she was like jumping with it. And then when he hit it, it was it was pretty cool. Like even I actually stood up, which is rare. Like I don't get out of my chair uh, when I'm watching a sporting event to like fist pump or anything. But I, I do remember when it was all said and done, I was standing. So, you know, that was a a moment that brings you out of your chair and I I rare rarely have had that. I, I think one, one other time I can think of in the last 10 years where I stood up watching a from my house, watching a sporting event was with one of my friends was fighting I, th- I i think it was like a ginla was fighting somebody and i don't know why but i just stood up and was standing in front of the tv watching the you know when iggy fought i'm sure a hundred times in his career but it just was i was really emotionally invested in it and it was the same thing with the raptors uh, you know i i got emotionally to the point where i was standing in front of the tv when it was done
0: yeah listen like i i think I think part of the problem today, or not so much, it's gotten better today. I think one of the upsides of social media has become that we, the fan, uh, have greater access to you, the broadcaster, and Mm -hmm. we we get at least a snapshot of who the person is during an event by following along on social media. You're calling yeah. a game in between in between benches or you're on the air. You're doing your job. You're not really participating. But if you're sitting on your couch and you have Twitter open and, and somebody does something and you react, I think the fact that certain broadcasters, for lack of a better word, cheer along, I think that's a yeah. good thing. I do. I, I think that's a good thing. I have a, I have a bit of a problem with the antiseptic media member who claims not to really have a rooting interest or not to really care. I, I I understand it. I don't necessarily like it. Um, that's just my own shtick, if you will. Uh, I think the one thing that social media has shown, especially the Raptors, uh, the Blue Jays too, when they went on that run. And I remember Jeff when the when the when the Maple Leafs won the lottery went went ape. Uh, when, when <laughs> But that, to me, is healthy. That's what I want in my Brock. There is a difference between being a homer and being a fan, and I really like that.
1: Yeah, you know, you're right. I I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, the word bias. Because, you know, sometimes you you have a job to do, and, and some days it's not as pretty as you want it to be. If you are, you know, I'll give you an example. I'm a fan of certain players. Love them to death but it's a As tough day when I people. have to talk, uh, players, people, you, you, you name it. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of, uh, I'll give you an example. Like Morgan Riley. I love Morgan Riley. I know him a little bit personally. We have a few mutual friends. Um, you know, we've, we've met in a couple of social settings. He's just a fantastic person. Like just legitimately love the guy. Um, but I have to talk about it professionally. And it's, it, you know, sometimes it's tough because, you know, if he hasn't had a great game or he's not having a great stretch or, you know, something's not going right. You know, I, I think if you deliver your opinion with respect, um, guys understand that. And, you know, biased is like, I see some people in our line of work that just don't head down that, that path because they love the the, the player or person so much that they will not even bring it up where to me, that's where I think it's not disingenuous. It's just, it's, you're not doing your job, you need to actually talk about that situation and just instead of staring away from it. So, um, you know, getting back to the fandom, like the Raptors brought me in. Um, I was at that, that uh, backflip game and all of that, um, you know, as a fan. Just, I didn't use media media credentials. I went with a guy who had access and, you know, we had some drinks, had some fun. And and because of his situation, we had to leave right after the bat flip. But, you know, we watched the rest of the game uh, at the, the bar across the street. But, you know, I was just a pure fan. And that's cool. Like, I, I agree. I, I enjoy that type of stuff. When it comes to hockey, I'm a little bit different because I legitimately don't have a bias like I don't have a favorite team, but I do certainly have players that I love and I have a rooting interest for them either personally or just wanting to see them just have success because um, I like them.
0: Well, that, that's good to hear. I mean, what I, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly no lesson or authority. What I've tried to do with our website at torontosportsmedia.com is always just be fair and balanced and, and, and really yeah. try hard not to make it personal. Um, when I started almost 14 years ago, I, you know, if somebody said something good or smart or witty, I would say it. And if on the next day they said something I deemed stupid, I would say that too. And almost without exception, I've been able to, to maintain. I think that, I just think you have to be authentic. Um, yeah. I, I wonder a true. lot about certain members of the media who I just don't think they're authentic. And I think they really treat it as a job. And, and that's where I have a tough time with it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you're right. And I've, you know, I've read uh, the website and all of that. Like it's fair and balanced. Like all you can ask for is, is, you know, we live in an opinion world. So it's, if it's your opinion and you believe it, like you you say it now, as long as people, if people respectfully disagree, I have no problem with it. Um, Where I have the problem is when they don't respectfully disagree I don't engage too many people on Twitter. I just mute or block and that's it. And, but I do have a lot of respectful conversations. Um, Just, you know, I'll shoot to somebody a note, like, I I didn't like your take on this or like, well, no, but this is what I saw, you know? And and if you have an open dialogue, you're great. If you, if you don't, and the person doesn't want to be reasonable, you move on. Like that's, I don't have enough time in my day to go through everything, but, you know, I, I, I do like, uh, I do like, like having social media, but some days are a little tougher than others. <laughs> like I scared the hell out of myself the other day. I, it was kind of funny. I was calling a leaf game and the, the word noodles was trending and I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> what did I say? You know what I mean? Like you, you, you start to rack your brain because you do a live broadcast two hours or whatever. I'm sure you've missed spoke at some point or identified somebody or whatever you, you you always worry. Right. And it turned out there was like a rapper that released a song that had noodles in it or something like that. So there was a couple leaf comments about me, but the rest was about this rapper. So I was like, Oh God, you know, you never, I don't know. Some guys, sometimes you, you don't want to see your name trending for the wrong, wrong reasons.
0: Well, for those who haven't seen you do a game on TV, I, uh, I reached out to you on Twitter that night. You're really good at it. Uh, it's a breath of fresh air. I know you've been doing it for a while, but you're good at it. Uh, it's easy to listen to. I think your opinions are good. You have, the, you have a really good balance of opinion, authenticity and humor. And uh, I understand that you really love doing it and I hope uh, yeah. you can do as much of it as you want to do. Um, and I really appreciate you taking some time with us today. I've ordered your book. I didn't even know it existed. You have a book out there called the best seat in the house. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I have ordered it. And uh, it's an easy read. Yeah. You can,
1: uh, if you, you know, take a few moments to go into the bathroom and just keep it on the shelf there. It'll, it's an easy (laughs) read, (laughs) but it's, yeah, it's just kind of funny stories. I, call myself the Forrest Gump of the NHL I always seem to be kind of in the background of like some pretty funny things so I enjoyed it I, I don't take it too seriously and you know it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it, it was for charity it was my best friend who passed away he uh um you know he had wife and and, and two kids uh, at the time or still does obviously now a widow and, and two two kids but uh, the proceeds go to them so I oh,
0: want to make awesome. sure that,
1: uh, yeah, it's good. It's very good. So, but yeah, no problem. I was, uh, thanks for having me. This was a lot of yeah. fun.
0: This was great. I hope, uh, I hope we've earned the right to have you back again. Uh, I hope you have a great dinner with your mom, get to wrap up this holiday season before the travel really kicks in again. And uh, once again, Jamie McLennan, thank you for joining Believe in the Press Room. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.